I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. And I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two therapists with ADHD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional or even remotely mature, but we can promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny. I love it. Do you like uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro? You saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yeah. Did I, and you that dropping could, your voice? That could be, that could be our <laughs> first so intro. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. <laughs> David and I are so excited to bring you the second part of our conversation with poet, speaker, advocate, Lederic Horn. Um, if you haven't heard the first part, uh, we suggest you go back and listen to it. Uh, but without further ado, we'll continue our conversation. In the context, I, in part of what we do in the podcast is we don't talk about being therapists much because it's not about us being therapists. It's about us having ADHD, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but in this moment, you're bringing up something about school systems and it's like, in, in therapy, there's this thing called good, like there's best practice, right? Like what you do if you're doing, it's ongoing supervision. It's meeting with somebody else. It's always being able to like have other eyes on your work so you're not working alone in a silo. And you're talking about that that in terms of like being more needed in the context of education I'm not saying they don't have continuing education stuff they, they have like institution days they do learning but you're really talking about like what do they do with that learning between those days like how do they lean on supports how do they not exist alone and i'm connecting the dots now it's like that's why you're doing what you're doing in the context of facilitating these kinds of resources for schools yeah yeah i mean and and, and yeah and you're you're you know, it's the it's the education that we give, the professional development that we give to individual educators, um, and then it's and then the key piece is, is the collaboration. You know, like and if you think like like I was, I was sitting here and I was like, yeah, you know, like nobody builds a building by themselves. We don't build houses by themselves, right? Like just as one person, um, cars aren't built by just one person. You know, it's it's a whole team of people that get together. Um, and uh, in the professional world, you know, like most problems get solved in teams. There's some sort of collaboration that happens. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to, you know, building a child, supporting a child, um, I mean, the, you know, it's, it, it takes a village, right? And so the, the, the idea of like the, the sage on the stage, um, although it can be very romantic to think of, I think when it comes to being practical, particularly given you know, and this is this is the, the issue with diversity too, right? Like if we had like the same kind of folks in the school showing up, you know, from all very similar backgrounds, then maybe maybe you would need someone or a group of people with diversified uh, skill sets and experiences, and you know, and, and approaches. But when we say we want to educate all students, um, you know, it's it takes it takes a it's a team effort, and and there's. Um, there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's no shame, shame in that. Um, and I, and, and, and what I've, what I know of inclusion and what I've seen is that it, it actually is a richer experience for most educators, mm -hmm. right? You know, like 
you know, that first two or three years as a, a brand new, new teacher, like that's, that tends to be like the burnout. And then they like, they're, they're folks that just like quit the profession. Um, and I think, you know, one of the ways to deal with more teacher retention is to be able to approach education in this very different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just, I'll just pivot too, because, you know, like, but also my, my, my core background, like how I really got started was it was, it was around inspiring young people, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was the school assembly guy, or I was, you know, like I've, I started out doing this in college because there was a group of us um, who were all a part of the same support program. Um, and we would meet in the lounge of the, of the office where we got our tutoring and our extra time and accommodations. Uh, we would meet at every Friday and, and just basically have community, you know, just, just like celebrate surviving another week of college together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and like eat junk food and, um, you know, and and um, and then eventually someone was just like, yo, why don't we go back to our old schools and, and talk uh, to the kids who are still in special ed? And so we would we would pack into cars and we would show up, you know, at, in high schools. And, and and I just I remember very clearly. How the teachers would just fill the rooms with like as many students where it would be every desk full and standing mm. room only. And it would be me and like three or four you know, the folks who, who I was going to school with and we would, no one was a professional speaker. There was none of that kind of background. We were just up there talking with these high school students, you know, like starting with, this is what high school was like for me. And then now this is what, what college is like. And you would, you would just see, you know, like you would see these young people just like their possibilities open up, you know? Mm. And, and I know what it was. It was like, it was a, it was great PR. It was a great commercial for this for this program, right? Like, because we were showing up and we were like living proof of of the power of it. Um, but I but I I know it had a like a a lasting impact, you know, on these on these young people. Um, and um, yeah, and 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 that's the other piece of it. And particularly when we when we think about this work from a civil rights point of view, um, from an activist point of view. You know, like you have to empower young people, like young people really should be the ones youth and young adults should be the ones leading this work um, and their voices should be informing it. And, you know, and movements really take off generally when it's the young people who are at the at the forefront, you know. Um, and um, yeah, and, and I was I was honored that that's, you know, that the folks who really kind of mentored me initially, they were all about training young people to be better self-advocates, training them to be, to be leaders, to run their own IEP meetings, um, Mm -hmm. to understand what their rights were under the law, um, uh, to, to, to really have, like, to use their voice as a, as an agent for change. Um, and, um, and I think, I think, uh, I think we're at our best when, when when we look for the, to those young people for, for guidance and when we invest in them. Um, you know, and, and make them really the, the, the leaders. Oh. <laughs> yes. David's yeah. so excited. But yes, and it's, it's about giving a voice to people who are overlooked and who are being used yeah. unintentionally, right? Yeah. And what you're saying right now is you're, you're talking about how important it is to make sure that, like, you're listening. and not just directing and there has to be oh 
I'm thinking about what you're talking about being in this room, talking to these kids. Your exist your your mere existence in that moment is shattering a reality. We're taught to like hide our LDs. We're taught to not talk about how hard the road is. We're taught to not talk about like what to avoid. Mm-hmm. Everything's a learning thing. And if we're either good enough or not good enough, and we need models. We need people to show us like what what doing well looks like because it doesn't look like one thing. Mm-hmm. Like what's an inclusive view of of success? Yeah. That isn't just one thing. And and I think that when we're looking at young people today or young people 20 years ago, right? Like they're always on the cutting edge of change. Yeah. When I hang out with you, I want to flip tables in like the <laughs> best way, Derek. Like can I can I hop in with like okay, well, like two things. One, I'm gonna quote a movie that is like no one has seen anymore, Lawrence of Arabia. It's cut. Anyway, point is there's a scene in great, it where great, Alec great and goes, such a good movie. Oh my gosh. I thought it would be fun. <laughs> no, but the scene where like Alec Guinness is is talking and he goes, like, um, like war is a young man's game. Like, leave the peace to the, like, old men talk of peace kind of idea. Like, that idea, like, you need, you need the, like, the energy, the spirit, the potential, the, like, the willingness to, to still think that things could be done differently and to see that, like, I, I, I guess, you know, what I'm thinking about is, like, that moment, Derek, so, okay, what I'm picturing is you're, like, here you are, you're a college student yourself, you're going back. And you're like sharing what's happening for you. You know, these students are, are are peaking ears, but they also like you have like you have an authority with them that I like no teacher, no, I don't know, no one who hasn't walked at least a little bit of that mileage, like shared mileage. It's just like a, it's like I don't know how to explain it. It's like a, it's like you're speaking a different language, like even as you're talking, like it's so interesting. I already want to pick your brain for like oh my gosh, yeah, switching from Catholic to public school. What was that like? Like, whoa, you know, like, right. like, goodness, private schools deal with this so differently. And like, oh my gosh, what, like, did you, what were your friends like? Like, did you, oh, you know, like, there's just so many things that I think I can just imagine all their amazing brains just being like, <gasps> like sponging up the fact that they, it's like you are real living, breathing human who has survived the thing I think maybe I can't survive or I think I'm not supposed to talk about and also survive. Like those two things must be independent of each other. And then on top of it, you're talking about it. And then on top of it, you're like, <laughs> I don't know, you're cool. You're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and, they, and look at me like, you know, whip out some poetry. Like, like I think there's there's something about like having, I don't know, like, like having it just, it, like that idea that you're nervous as you do it, but you do it anyway. I, you know, I don't, I, I, I guess I just imagine, you know, that can be true when you're in front of 10 people. It could be true when you're in front of a whole classroom. It could be true when you're just like true, telling your true friend. True when you're doing a podcast. Literally. Yeah. 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 Like right. legit, right? <laughs> like, I, and I'll own even my own process. Like, I swear the last like 20 minutes, I have just been circling in my own brain like, oh my gosh, you're so smart. Oh my gosh, you do such cool things. David, you talk. Mm, like my impo- like my imposter syndrome shooting through the roof. I don't know what to say next. And like, again, the thought that it's, it's like actually speaking to these unspoken things and these invisible differences. I just, yeah, I'm just team Lederic. 
is all oh, I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> you know, in the the um the so I, I co-authored the book Empowering Students with Hidden Disabilities, A Path to Pride and Success. And um I We'll put it in the show notes. Thank, we'll link it you. up. That's amazing. My 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 co-author is uh Dr. Margot Izzo. Margot has ADHD and I'm L D. Um and so we we wrote this book and um it's it's sort of like you know it's 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 this split between narrative and the narrative is used to back up what we know are best practices right mm. around supporting students in transition um transitioning from from high school into the adult world whether that be higher education independent living or employment um and we got an entire chapter dedicated to mentorship you know and and so like as you're as you're saying that Isabel, what I'm what I'm hearing is like we talked about just the power of near peer mentors, right? Mm. You know, that's someone who's just a few steps down the road. Um uh, that there is a expertise and legitimacy and and street cred that that you show up with just because one, you've been where I've been, mm-hmm. but you've you've just sort of recently taken those first few steps, right? Um and even, uh, you know, we started out by talking about uh, David and I working for the state of Nevada. So that that summit now has transformed into the work that, you know, that that we were able to do over these years. We were able to build this incredible uh, capacity for youth leadership, you know, when it comes to people with disabilities in the state. And so Jennifer Kane and her her amazing team. And then, you know, and then also like I'll, I'll give it up to the state directors of special ed because they they fund all this yeah. and they keep funding it and, and investing in it oh, so wow. so they mm-hmm. they recently you know uh just before the pandemic hired 25 of these young people with disabilities and Are you serious yeah so they're Ugh. and the title the title they have is young adult facilitators and they're now going back into their high schools and um and they we developed these these dream boards and you know, like it's, it, uh, as we record this, we're coming up on New Year's, and a lot of people like to start out New Year's by doing their their dream boards, their vision boards. And so, um, we base it on on research, um, but we section off these these dream boards so that they speak directly to the sections of the IEP, so that now um, these young adults with disabilities are coming into the to schools and they're teaching cohorts of students um, how to how to capture their present level of performance, what their strengths are what their preferences are, their short-term and long-term goals. Um, and they put it in, an, in a very visual way. And then you can, then we give guides to the, to the, the, um, the IEP team to be able to say, well, if, th- if they're speaking to this section, this is how you can fill that into the IEP. And, um, and what's, what's been like so amazing. So That's like we so had. freaking cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's yeah, it's really good work. It's really oh my good work. God. Yeah, so we oh and we we were able to to pivot virtually once the pandemic hit, and so they went from like you know glue sticks and, and cutting up magazines to uh, powerpoints and drawing from their social media, and you know, and, and those are kind of images to help tell the story of who they are and. Right. <laughs> you've got like all yeah. these amazing memes and like animated right. gifs like, like, and you're yeah. like this is speaking to me <laughs> right yeah. and then um and and yeah and then it's and then they and then they just run with it man you know oh. they just run with it and so 
they've they've created like one of these schools created a um a club that was just sort of like for just people who felt marginalized you know like this is just a place where you can come and, and feel safe um there are some students that in addition to doing the the iep work like they they want to do like teacher education so that like they recognize that not enough educators in their in their district know enough about different disabilities and you know, there's some who like the principal lets them get on the the mic, you know, the the um the uh, loudspeaker in the morning, and like I've heard that one of the schools they do like every week they start the week out by t- talking about a different disability diagnosis to help wow. build that that awareness. Um, that yeah, the, it's it's been it's been really really cool, and um, um, it's yeah, but it's it's all driven it's all driven from from these young people and their ideas. Um. And, and, you know, and then also like, uh, Jennifer has been really, she's really great, which is taking input, taking input from the school staff, um, you know, from, from, from us as facilitators and from those young adult facilitators and like, not afraid of criticism and critique and, and, you know, and again, that sort of refinement, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's going really well. It's really, it's like, it's, it's really cool work. Really cool oh, work. And I and I and I wish we had cameras in on it, you know, where yeah. um, and then actually we did shoot a video, you know, when we, a few years back when we were in person. Um uh and maybe you can drop that in the show notes too, it's up on YouTube. Yes. Um, but we will. But the way the, the the way the work has changed too over time has just been it's been really interesting to see. And this is all from like the State Department of Ed. I mean, let's just, I mean, a side note, I, I like, not to say it could just be directly copy and pasted, but imagine if, I'm just thinking about, like, what if that was how people could fill out their, like, performance reviews at work? <laughs> what if this was, like, yeah. how, you know, for job applications, they put up, like, the, they put up the GIFs and the memes and the pictures, and they're like, this is what we're looking for. This is <laughs> right. what we don't want. Yeah, like, I'm just almost just thinking about, like, there's, like, so many possibilities for, you know, I, I, I don't know, like, this idea that, like, we, we sometimes try to give to others the very thing we didn't get or the thing that we wish we had gotten. And I'm hearing this and I'm thinking like little me is like, oh, I could make a dream board. And I almost want to say to little me like, well, you can make one now, you know, like not and and not to like over, you know, dilute just how much labor is going into from your facilitators to your coordinators to the, all the people working to make this happen. And also just how like how much we could all maybe use to like you know, break some of these molds, we don't even realize we're like caught in. There's like just, it's just so incredible. I'm thinking, David, of the example you've given about um, the person you were mentoring who um, like ripped up all the pages of the book and then like like threw a bunch of Cheez-Its on it. No, or Cheetos? Cheetos. Very specific. Yeah, Cheetos. Cheetos. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Clearly Cheetos. Um, not knocking Cheez-Its, just saying Cheetos. I mean, come on. Um, like, like, and the, and that was exactly right. You know what I mean? Like this experience of like actually capturing a way to express and communicate and really be heard and seen and not feel like you're constantly having to like translate yourself to be understood by this neurotypical, you know, yeah. world. 
Anyways, I think David. <laughs> Isabel, you're, you're, no, I want to jump just on that because I think you're saying something so important. It's being seen by somebody like you. Mm. And I think it's a very different thing because I'm very used to a very neurotypical world where I feel like I need to make sure something's tucked in and that I didn't spill something and that like I'm paying attention, but at least not really paying attention, but looking like I'm paying attention. <laughs> Who knows what's going on in my brain, but my eyes are looking like all of that <laughs> stuff, right? And it's all internal. And the moment somebody looks at you and goes, I'm not hearing a word they're saying either. This chair sounds really funny when I do this thing with my butt. It's like that's that you're like, you get me. All right, you right. understand. And it's like we, we talk about like we sit down and talk about these experiences. With, but I think like it's really about how, how can we be seen by somebody that doesn't make us like I'm playing video games, right? Like I'm not going to make somebody sit down. I get needed to stand up and playing video games like that. There are ways that I don't think things need to look. Mm-hmm. That I that I don't fault a neurotypical person for thinking that things need to look in one way. Like Ruth Bader Ginsburg made this really great point where she's just talking about it's not their fault. They just they have a male gaze. Mm-hmm. That these are men looking at cases because they're men they haven't seen in an entire other part of the world. And it's like that makes sense. And I think that there's a neurotypical gaze that the world gets into. Mm-hmm. Like what transitions should look like, how IEP yes. should should work, how kids should advocate for themselves. And I think What's happening in Reno that's so, like, in Nevada as in, in general, like, and, and Jennifer Kane is a person that I'm, like, I look up to so much because she is a person that is not afraid of change or difference or difficult. Mm-hmm. She'll do it to prove it works or doesn't work. And that, like, that's such a rare thing to see in people in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But data is coming back very clearly that the more we want kids in schools who are on IEPs to know about and be able to advocate for their IEPs yeah. because we know that. When they know what works in their IP and when they know why it works, they do better in school and feel less shame around that. Yeah. But when IEPs were rolled out, parents were not given that instruction. No. Kids don't have to come. That's optional. Don't make them feel bad. I don't want to embarrass your child. Don't mention it. I've worked with people Mm -hmm. who even in this present day were like, I wasn't even informed that this is happening until very late in the process. Yeah. And there was a moment, there's, there, there were moments where it was like, um, it was like, I think I was at an eye to eye where we were talking about IEPs and someone's like, I didn't have an IEP. And everyone looked at that person like, you had an IEP. Right. And they're right. like, no, I didn't. And it's like, no, you're here. You had one. Right, like, but no one right, told me. Right. And they're like, we know. And it's like, did you get extended time? They're like, yeah, but I didn't have an IEP. It's like, oh, we got to talk. And it was like, and then it's like, and then it's like, you know, 16 other LD people talking about their IEPs and then convincing you that you have one as opposed to showing you why you're different. We're now pulling you in with this difference. Mm -hmm. And I think like whether it's happening in Reno with like how we're talking about what our vulnerabilities are academically and how we don't feel certain ways or how we feel in class or in schools or like how I feel in this group. When those feelings get shared, ADHD, LD, in any form, like it starts normalizing people's experiences. And I think it really creates like it makes vulnerabilities understandable. It doesn't make it like a doesn't make that vulnerability go away but like all of a sudden you're like yeah it doesn't feel good i got punched in the back of the kneecap because that's the back of the kneecap i don't need to make that part strong i just need to make sure i don't get punched in the back of the kneecap i don't know why that's my example but like it's a, it's a place that people will get punched is my point right. like you don't have to make that part strong <laughs> and i think like the first time i was exposed to like not having to look perfect mm. like it was through your work Lederic. In, in what we now know is like youth advocacy programs and helping young people to learn to be leaders and all like, but that has literally changed my life. Mm-hmm. And it literally, like, I think that it, there's definite parts of that that filter out and touch other people's lives by virtue of who I am now, by virtue of who you are now. 
and what we continue to do. And what's incredible is like, this was like over a decade ago and like neither one of us has been like, pshaw, like let's, let's drop this torch. You know, <laughs> like this is like that. Yeah. Can, can I ask Lederic, like what, I mean, it seems like, I mean, you, 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 how to put it, I've just met you and you clearly like, like come alive when you're like talking about this and, t- and thinking about it. And like, you just like see it in your face. Like it's palpable. I'm so curious, like, what are the parts of this that just like nourish you that like, kind of like, keep you going? And also like, maybe naming some of the, like the, like the hardness, like the challenge, like what, I mean, because in a way too, I'm picturing that and to some degree, you're also on the front lines and you are seeing, you know, you are bearing witness to suffering. You are bearing witness to, um, you know, certainly I'm thinking every ism, every pain point, institutionalized racism, sexism, ableism, like all the, ugh, like all the parts of our humanity that are just, um, you know, not necessarily... <laughs> can be very depleting and disheartening um, and draining. But I just wonder, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, when it comes, you know, the things that that are like really like take emotional work are um, every so often I'll get invited into a, to a school and um, feels like prison. You know, you know where. Um, you know, like, uh, 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 okay. So, uh, another, another, um, another thing I'm a part of is the black and dyslexic podcast. And, um, I think also put it in the show notes. Okay. Promote it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so I'm the, I'm the co-host and, uh, I do that with, uh, Winifred A. Winston, who's a amazing advocate in Baltimore doing work for dyslexic folks in Baltimore. And, um. Our, I think it was our fourth episode, we interviewed Dr. Julie Washington, who's this researcher and expert around literacy. Um, and she was saying how, in so many words in that episode, she, she said how, how um, dyslexia and ADHD is really a label of privilege, that a lot of, a lot of black and brown folks don't, don't get labeled with that. We get labeled mm-hmm. with emotional disabilities, behavioral disabilities, and those can lead they don't oftentimes lead to uh, uh, a track that allows for like academic support, but instead uh, leads for the most uh, can lead to some of the more restrictive environments that our schools and our, our society has. Right. And so mm-hmm. every so often I'll get invited into, into like one of those spaces and it's, it's just very, it's very difficult, you know, and, and I, um, I, I have to really care for myself you know, when I'm, when I'm dealing with those kind of situations, um, the, uh, the other thing that's like challenging and I, and I hope I like, I, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but like, uh, there's like a lot of email I got to write and <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, you know, we got, we're coming to the end of the time, the end of the year. So it's like tax preparation and bookkeepers and accountants and like that stuff to have to deal with. Um, and, uh, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate. My, my wife, Samyukta and Samyukta says, hello, David. I was going to say hi, Samyukta. <laughs> <laughs> she is like incredibly supportive and, um, actually I put her on a payroll, you know, she's got like incredible, like executive functioning skills. So she does, uh, uh, handles a lot of the, the supports as far as business management and invoicing and 
you know, and, and all that, that kind of stuff that I just, I am not built for, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to really do well at. Um, and then, and then we have, you know, hired other people to, to, to help us with, you know, with other, with other professional supports. So that's, but that stuff is still like, that's still pretty challenging for me. Like I'm still trying to hack, like how to stay on top of email, um, the executive functioning piece. And I've, and I've been saying that more recently, like, I think I've just about got everything figured out for my LD for me to really function as a professional, but the executive functioning, how, how to take big projects and break them down into smaller, doable, actionable, you know, steps and to not just be overwhelmed, um, how to, how to, and this is, this is like, this is, you know, a bit odd for me to say, but just like how to ask for help, you know, like that's what, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. you know, that's, that's one of the, the, the pillars that that we talk about when we're, when we're working with young people, just how you have to normalize that. But I still, I know professionally, that's still something that I oftentimes have to, I I wrestle with. Um, And um, so, so those are, those are some things that are like, that are, that are challenging. Um, The, the things that get me going. So ever since uh, uh, 2020, my work has, has made this, this pivot and Mm -hmm. I have, you know, I, I was like everybody at home and I'm reflecting on the, 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 the murder of George Floyd, the, the lynching of Ahmaud Arbery, um, all these videos that were being hit with. And, and the phone starts ringing and the emails start coming in from, you know, different organizations that, you know, wanted to do diversity, equity, inclusion work. They were forming committees. And, and I was, you know, like, you know, one of these people of color that, gets invited to the front of the room. And so, you know, they, you know, it's like these invitations and, and I said to no to a lot of people. Um, I don't, I really didn't think that a lot of folks were really clear about what that work had had to look like. Right. Mm. Particularly like if I was going to be a part of it, you know, there were certain, you know, like you can't have a, a DEI committee that has no power, right? Like, what are we going to yes. do? Like make all these recommendations yeah. that the main governing board doesn't have to listen to, you know, mm. like, you know, and, and so like the, those kind of moves, but I, I, I really just had to look and say, what, what is my work doing to help people of color and particularly black folks? And, um, you know, and so I, I really think of it as kind of putting a prayer out there. And then these opportunities started showing up. My friend Winifred reached out to me and said, Hey, I want to do this podcast, you know, centered on capturing the black experience with dyslexia and the intersectionality of that. And by, and by that, I think a lot of times when we use the term intersectionality, we just talk about, most people talk about like two identities, right. But mm-hmm. we're really talking about like pain, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the way that that pain from, from coming from these two gro- groups kind of shows up and, you know, and then what can we do to show how, how people are, uh, should be celebrated for, for, dealing with the different issues in their lives, solving these problems. Like we, um, Winifred had this great idea. We have like the badass parents and that's bad, uh, bad, uh, black and dyslexic, right. Uh, badass parents, you know, amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, um, uh, the, uh, the beginning of this year, um, I was awarded a grant from the New Jersey council on developmental disabilities. My company, um, my, my good friend and mentor, Bill Davis, saw this grant and it was specifically around doing um, uh, outreach to increase 
access to information to New Jersey's black residents with intellectual developmental disabilities and their families. And um, we were awarded that grant. And so, you know, we've had to build a team and build, you know, a lot of like coalition building throughout the state. And these are, these are folks who, you know, have autism, you know, um, developmental intellectual disabilities. Um, and, uh, and I've, I've done work in that space before, but it was, it's, it's also just this challenge. Right. And, and it's like this challenge around mobilizing a population that, um, like the advocates didn't have a space where they could go to get, we formed this consortium and people are meeting up, you know, quarterly and then in between the meetings and working on solving problems. Um, and so that, that work has been very enriching. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also challenging because there's, again, there's a lot of sort of administrative stuff that comes along with that, that I've had to just rely on, on my, you know, my team, right. To be able to, to help me to get through that. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, and even that is like, you know, it's about how we show up in spaces, right. Um, um, you know, I want to be my authentic self. Uh, and then, you know, I also want to be like the head of a project and have all these executive functioning issues, right? And so it's like, you know, what can I do to sort of leverage technology? What can I do to leverage the the people who are around me? Um, and then just being comfortable, you know, when I feel overwhelmed. You know, like sometimes we write these reports and I'm like, y'all just send me the first three lines of a section, <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. you will just get me going, right? Mm-hmm. Then I can write for hours, right? But sometimes it's just like, where do we start? You know, and so, you know, these folks are great at like just the bullets, you know, and then I can I can write up the report and submit it to the people who need to be it needs to be submitted to. Um, but yeah, that's that that's been like really cool work as of late. This is just part of a longer conversation with Lederic Horn. There is even more amazing stuff to come. I'm just gonna put out there prepare for some life-changing poetry. That's all. That's all I'm going to put out there. Okay. I can't wait for you to hear uh, a continuation of this conversation in the future. Thank you so much for listening. If you ever have that thought where you think, hey, I have nothing, stop. Remember, you're something. Something's shining. That's right. Just as you are. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as Something Shiny Podcast. And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in two weeks.